And I want to begin by reading out of Luke chapter 15. And today's, the title of today's message is Bacon to Beef. It's going to make sense in a moment. I know it's kind of quirky, but it's going to make sense in just a moment. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you would please, to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. And I want to begin by saying this. A son who goes from a pig trough to a fatted calf, there is more to the story than this son who is starving. This story is literally about a son going from a pig trough, you know the story, to the fatted calf. But there is a lot more to this story than a boy who starved and went home. Let's find out what it is. Luke 15, beginning with verse 10. I'm backing up. In your Bible, it's going to have a little subheading that says the parable of the prodigal son, which is misplaced. Uh, um, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I want to back up one verse and go to verse 10 of chapter 15 because it is there that this story is built on. It is verse 10 that this whole story is actually uh, it, verse 10 is the foundation of this entire story. Says, Jesus says this, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one center, sinner who repents. Let me read that again. He said, I tell you, this is Jesus talking. It's me talking, but I'm saying what he said. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, yet I perish here in hunger? I'm going to arise and I'm going to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they all began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked, what's going on? 
And he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the brother was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father and he said, look, all these years I've served you. I've never once disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat that I might have a little party with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with, your, with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead. But today he lives. He was lost. But we have found him. This story really is so much less about the son. And so much more about the father. If I were going to be the one responsible for the subheadings here, I would have written there instead of the parable of the prodigal son, I would have put there the parable of the faithful father or the parable of the heart of a dad. What really happened when the son came home? said, Dad, give me everything that belongs to me. I'm ready to run. I've taken my last order. I don't need your instruction anymore. Dad, I'm ready to go. You've given me everything you need to give me. All I need now is my inheritance because I'm ready to go. Watch what I can do with it. The boy goes, gets hungry, spends all his money, wakes up one day realizing, why am I covered in mud? Why was my pillow last night the belly of a sow instead of the comfort of down? The son comes home and he's fed a fillet of the fatted calf. He's given new shoes. He's given a new robe and a ring on his finger. What happened? What, is, what do we really see when we look not through the mind of man? If I read this story without Christ, I see, oh, good boy. Good boy. You did the right thing. But if I read it through the eyes of Christ, I see great father. Wonderful daddy. This father looks at this boy down the road that's running and coming towards him. And the father looks at him. This boy has no idea what to expect from this father that's standing off in the distance. Not even sure if maybe that is his father. Is that him? Is it one of the servants? I'm not sure, but that father knew. The father knew because when the father was looking at the son, the father could see the gate of the son. He knew how he took his steps. He knew how that boy swung his arms. 
He knew exactly how that boy would be on the horizon because when the father looked down the road, he had seen that boy down the road many, many times before that moment. This wasn't the first time that the father had experienced some sense of rebellion in a son because we all, every father experiences some sense of rebellion in a son and every father has had some sense of rebellion in themselves before their father at one time or another. But that daddy looked down the road, he said, I recognize that gate. That boy doesn't even know who I am yet. Because if he knew, how do I know that boy didn't know who his daddy was? Because if he knew who his daddy was, he'd have never left in the first place. So while that boy was looking and wondering, who is that? Is it my brother? Is it a servant? Is it a visitor? Is it the mayor? Because my daddy's important. He had no idea who was standing down that road, but that dad looked and he said, I know that walk. I know those arms that are swinging. I can tell by the disposition, just the way he's moving. I can tell. That's my boy, servants. Before he even gets here, go get things ready. And that daddy takes off. He goes and he embraces that son and he pulls that son and I'm going to skip a lot of parts but he pulls that son close to him and he takes him home and he gets that calf ready and he feeds him and he puts a robe on his back he puts a ring on his finger and what else did he do? What the father did by putting that robe on his back it wasn't just that a father said good boy I'm so glad that you came home I just want you to know that I love you this father's heart was revealed because he said I'm changing your identity. Your old robe is still in your bedroom. The old finger is still in the drawer. Your old shoes are still under your bed. We're burning all of that. Because your old identity didn't know who your daddy was. The old you didn't understand what your daddy wants to do for you. The old you could not perceive it. But this new you, suddenly you come home. You still are trying to get it because you said, just make me a hired servant. You still don't get it. I've got to change your whole identity. I'm going to put something on you that's different. doesn't look like what you looked like before. I'm going to put shoes on your feet that will carry you places you could not go before because you didn't think you could. I'm going to put a ring on your finger that has a signet to it, that has a signature to it, that says something different about you that it didn't say before. You didn't understand the meaning of it. You didn't get the depth of it. Son, this is what a daddy does. This is who a daddy is. He removed the old identity. And by removing the old identity, the father's heart, the father's heart was exposed. And then the heart of a brother who didn't understand why the son received such welcome was exposed. I'm not sure what's going on here, but this, my Apple watch is telling me all kinds of things. So, Oh, it's telling me my heart rate is high, SOS. <laughs> I, it literally gives me the option, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then it gives me the option, it says I fell, but I'm okay. I did not fall, all right. All right, we're good again. Well, thank you for technology. <laughs> My heart rate is right. <laughs> it reveals the heart of a brother who didn't understand why the son re- received such a welcome. This father, this son goes to the, this second son goes to the daddy and he says, I've been serving you all these years. I've never left you one time. I've never asked for my inheritance. I've been waiting. I've been getting up and working every day. What about me? 
I didn't get so much as a goat. You gave him the very best. I haven't even been given a goat. Would you even give me a turkey if I'd asked? I get up every morning, I rise up every day, and I go to bed every night knowing that I've done everything that my dad wanted me to do. What did you, why would you do this for him? He took everything that you had, everything that you had given him. He squandered it. And the father said, son, all that I have is yours. You don't get it either. The exposed part of this story is that the son that stayed home was no better off than the son that left home. The son that stayed home never understood that he, he too needed an identity change. He too needed to see that being at home isn't being a son. He needed to see that just because I sleep in the bedroom down the hall from my daddy doesn't make me a son. I'm a son when I catch my daddy's vision. I'm a son when what's important to my father is important to me. I'm a son when I begin to ask the question, Father, what do you see? And if I don't see it, help me see it. The whole truth is the very next day, he's got one son, he says, all that's mine is yours. He's got another son, he says, put on him. The robe, the ring, the shoes. Get this calf. Let's eat this fattened calf. We've been saving up for a special day. This is a special day. What we don't see in this story, we need to see today. A couple of things. One, I said a moment ago, being in the house doesn't make you a son. Second thing we need to see today is that the next morning when they got up, they were eating spaghetti and meatballs like they were before it all started. The fattened calf had gone away. And dad looked at him and said, get to the barn, get to the fields, go to where you were before, and get back to work. We celebrated last night, and I brought a truth to you last night. But today it's time to go to work, and you're going to work, and you're going to catch the vision. And I'm going to help you catch the vision. Don't run again. The father changed two lives that day. The expectations of the sons and the father... Something happened that day that had never been before. Their expectations became one. Prior to that day, one son said, Dad, give me everything that belongs to me because my expectation is that I'm going to make something of myself outside of your house. The other son stayed home and he said, I don't want all that belongs to me yet. I'm just going to keep working. One son left, expecting that he would make something of himself outside the house. The other son stayed, expecting that he would make something of himself because of what he did. In a very real sense, both sons came home that day. And the father said to both sons, Today, your expectations and mine are the same. And that expectation is not that you work to be my son or that you leave to become something great. My expectation is that you get my vision. And if you will live with that vision and you will press into that vision, everything 
that the Father has ever purposed. Everything that's in my heart for you will come to pass. Isn't that a mirror image of Yahweh God giving His Son Christ, saying to you and me, trust me, if you catch my vision, if you can get my vision for you, you will stop asking for all the blessing today. You'll stop focusing on the blessing. You'll stop focusing on when is it going to happen to me. You'll stop trying to work your way into good graces. Is anybody hearing me this morning? And the Father will say, if you will trust me, if you will walk with me, if you align your expectations with mine, you will come to the place where you understand. If you will seek me, if you will receive me, everything that I have is yours. And everything that is in your heart will come to pass. There's another story of the compelling love of Yahweh God mixed in with what seems hard that I want to read this morning. And I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 18, please. Genesis chapter 18, verse 22 reads like this. It says, So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed, sweet, let me back up. Let me give you a little setting here. So Abraham is in Mamre and he's distraught about some things. The angel of the Lord, the Lord shows up with two angels and when they appear, this is kind of where this story picks up. So the men turned from where they were and went towards Sodom. They had talked to Abraham and they said, we got some things that we've got to do. We're, you're, you're probably not going to like it. In fact, if you back up a few verses, verse 20, verse 19, somewhere in there, he lets Abraham know. He said, I'm about to do something you're not going to want to hear about. But Abraham knew when they turned. And so the men turned from there and they went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham knew, drew near and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city of Sodom. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. Here Abraham is telling the Lord exactly what he's thinking. <laughs> This is what you should be thinking. This is who you are. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and he said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, who I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again, he spoke to him and he said, How about forty? And the Lord answered and he said, for the sake of 40, I will not destroy it. Then he said, 
Please, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, I will not destroy it if I find 30 there. And then he said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And he answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way before Abraham could say anything else. <laughs> when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place, and then we know the rest of the story. He went, the family of Lot was spared outside of that nun. There's a couple of things about this story that's very interesting that I want to show you today that relate to the story of the father and the two sons. Again, I want to point out before I go any further, there were two prodigals that day. There was a son who left the house and the son who lived in the house but was not a son. Two prodigals. You're not a prodigal because you leave. You're a prodigal because you disconnect. I need to make sure that that's clear today. Just because you're present doesn't make you a son. Do you know your father's heart? So connected to that, as I read in this passage in Genesis 18, as I begin to read and I'm reading about Abraham and, and the story, and I thought about something that Jenny said in intercession a couple of weeks ago when she was, I think Jenny said, somebody said it, and they referenced this, this point. When the angels went to Sodom and they got there, and I'm going to paraphrase this and really condense this down in a small little thumb, little point. But when the angels get there and they get to Lot's house and they go in, the men of the city come to Lot's house and they knock on, their, knock on his door and they want those angels to come out. They want those angels to come out of the house. Again, I'm condensing, so I'm skipping some points. Long story short, Lot pokes his head out the door and he says, I can't give you those men, but I have two daughters that I'll give to you. Spare the men, but I've got two daughters. God never asked for his daughters. He never asked him to give his daughters up. He never asked him to sacrifice his daughters. But he's willing to give them. Here's a man. Listen to me. I'm going to expose something in this story. Here's a man who recognized the angel of the Lord when he showed up at his door. But he could not see the vision of God. He's a third prodigal. He was in the house, but he was not of the house. You hear me today. He was in the house, but was not of the house. When I get back to Genesis 18 and I go to verse 32 and he says, suppose 10 are found there and the Lord answered and he said, for the sake of 10, Abraham, I will not destroy Sodom. And then he went his way and you know the rest of the story. He did destroy Sodom. Yahweh God 
is always looking to redeem, not destroy. If you're in the house but not of the house, you see destruction. But if you're in the house and you're of the house, you see salvation. You're hearing me this morning. But how do I know? If I'm in the house, if I'm of the house, how do I know? I do not in any way have any more ability than any of you to go and lay hands on anyone and say, receive the vision. There is nothing I can do, nothing within my natural man that can go to anyone and say, get the vision. Because getting the vision isn't up to the giver. If it were, the father would have said to the son, the first prodigal, he would have said to him, I'm not giving you your inheritance. I'm going to give you the vision. So that you'll understand why you don't need the inheritance today. You need to understand me. You need to understand me. He would have said to the second. Son. You've already got everything. But now I'm going to take everything back. Because you don't have the vision. He didn't do that. He can't just make him understand. He can't just throw it on him and say, Get what I see. See, Gaston, what I see. He can't use the cliches that we use. He can't use the moments that we use in the church world that say, In the name of Jesus Christ, see what I see. It doesn't work that way. Because your will... Is not liable to mine, nor mine yours. But in each of us, the Father has given a will. To each of us, He's given us freedom and liberty, not only to choose Him, but also choose against Him. Not only to live in His house, but also to be of His house. So how do I know if I'm in it? How do I know if I'm of it? Let me make it as practical as I can. Just as practical. I mean, I don't know how to be any more practical than what I'm about to be. Let's use this, the rock, as an example. Are you in it or are you of it? If you're in it, but not of it, you show up on Sunday mornings. But you're completely disconnected from everything else that's going on throughout the week and the time. You have no idea what's happening. I'm in the rock. I'm a part of the rock, but I'm a a Sunday morning rocker. You're in it, but are you really of it? When you're of it, you catch the vision. And suddenly, the reason we have intercession matters.
Suddenly, why we receive tithe and offering makes a difference. You get the vision, who we support, what we do. You hearing me today? Suddenly, you get the vision why we come not at 10 o'clock in the morning, but we gather at 9.30 or 9.15. We get here early and we fellowship and we engage with one another. And when there's an opportunity to meet one another and hug one another's neck, you don't find it quick. Now, I'm just being honest, practical. You don't quickly sit down in your seat and just hope somebody comes to you. Am I in the house or am I of the house? I'm going to tell you, you're of the house when you own the vision. I can tell you, Joe Hoffman. I'm going to use Joe Hoffman as an example. Is he here today? I could use many of you in here today, but I'm going to use Joe because you're going to understand this because every one of you has seen what I'm about to tell you. I remember the first time Joe Hoffman came in the door. I remember how many times his son and his wife would pray for Joe to come to the rock. And it took a long time for Joe to come to the rock. And I remember when he came. I was actually out of town. His son was preaching. First time that he came. And then he never stopped coming. We're blessed because of it. And I'm getting somewhere. Listen to what I'm telling you today. And for a long time, Joe was in the rock. But he wasn't yet of the rock. And then I don't know what happened except for Holy Spirit really brought revelation to him. And then one day I look around. Prior to this particular day, Joe would come like so many others and he would come in and when it was over, he was gone. He was kind, he was friendly, he was nice, he was quiet. He slept through some of the services. It was always a perfect time to put my hands together. <laughs> but he was in the rock. He just wasn't of the rock. He hadn't caught the vision yet. But something changed one day. Holy Spirit really showed him what he was a part of. And I don't know how it all happened. We haven't had this discussion. In fact, we've never had. I don't know that we've ever had this discussion. He, prayed, he doesn't even know where I'm going with this. But then one day I look up. And all of a sudden, this man who had been in the house, but not of the house, all of a sudden, I look up, and before service, after service, he's walking up and down every aisle, making sure every paper is right, every chair has pens in it, there's no paper on the floor. He'll walk by, and he's not the youngest man in the room, and he'll bend over, and he'll pick up a piece of paper. He sees it there, and he does that every single, everyone in this room has seen him do it. Every Sunday he's doing it. The man almost gave his life to COVID last year. What were you in the hospital for? Three months? On a respirator. Came out of that hospital. Comes back to the house that he is of. Still recovering. And you look out before or after service and what's Joe Hoffman doing? Finding paper. I don't know how that got there, but I'm going to take care of it. And I don't know why that's there, but I'm going to take care of it. And I don't know why that paper's out of place, but I'm going to straighten it up. I'm just being practical this morning. That's being of the house. That's seeing the vision. That's understanding why does this place exist? Why do we gather when we come together? I can tell you we don't gather for Sunday mornings. Hear me today. 
This is the least thing that we do. The greatest thing that we do is what we do through the week when we're in our job. We're in our neighborhood. When we're meeting in groups. We're building relationships. We're meeting new people, even in the house. We're going out of our way to be a part of what's going on because we got the vision. See, the deeper story here again is the prodigals. One didn't have the vision and left. One had the vision, was in the house, but not of the house. He was in the house, but he never was a son. But I'm telling you today, Holy Spirit is really trying to enlighten you and me. And you that are online. Some of you that are watching online today, can I just be very honest with you? I'm going to be, so I don't know what your answer was. But I can tell you today, if you're in a place and there's a local body, you need to be in that local body of believers. You shouldn't be on the other side of that camera. And don't watch us because you're offended with your previous pastor. What is it that the Father wants to do? He said, I want to heal hearts. I want to say, come home. Don't live in the house and never become a son or a daughter. Live in the house and take ownership. And the greatest part of it all, both In Genesis and in Luke, the greatest part of the whole story is this, Dave. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That dad never looked at that son that left and said, you're a rascal, I'm never going to trust you again. I'm never storing up anything for you again. When you tell me something, I'm never going to believe. He didn't attack the boy. He didn't cast him out. He didn't tell him never again. You're never getting another inheritance. Because the inheritance isn't about things. The inheritance is about vision. How many people? How many dads? Not under the sound of my voice. But there's people, fathers who have died and gone on. But what, and they had not, not a dime to their name. Yet they left their children with the greatest inheritance of all. A vision for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me today? So what am I telling you today? The exposed part of this story, my favorite, one of my favorite stories in all scripture because there's so, there's more, there's way, there's a lot more hidden in these scriptures. Maybe we'll get to them another day. But the exposed part in this story is literally a father looking at a son and saying to him, welcome home. I hold nothing against you. You lived in my house, you never became a son. Just because you were born from my loins does not make you a son. A son will carry his father's vision. 
That's why Paul could call different ones Titus and Timothy. That's why he could call them his son. They had his vision. It didn't make Paul their God. It just made Paul their voice. Help them to know their God. The Father is looking to redeem and not to destroy. And if we're in the house without the vision, I can tell you all you see is destruction. But when you're in the house and you're a son of the house and you've captured the vision, what you see is salvation. So how do I know? Again, using the rock as an example because it's practical. I'm thankful for every single body that comes into this building and watches online every single week. I'm thankful for every single one. I'm also very well aware, very well aware, I'm just being honest, that there are attenders and then there are vision carriers. There are those who have made it home and there are those to whom it's a pit stop. How do you know? Only you know. Again, practically, to be in the house, how do you reposition yourself? First of all, repent to the Father and repent to yourself. Forgive yourself. And ask the Father to help you see, how do I become a son and hold the vision in my heart? Of this house. I want to tell you today. You will see everything that goes on. Completely different. When you know you are a son. For the right reason. He's looking to redeem. There is. If there is a. Even a thread even a thread of hope. In Genesis 18, these 10, if there's even a thread of hope, he's going to protect. I've heard people say, as I wrap this up, I've heard people ask the question, why is God not judging the earth like he did Sodom and other stories we read about in scripture but why isn't he judging the earth today with all that is going on and I'm going to tell you why because there's still 10 righteous because there's still 10 righteous and as long as there are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God in the earth he's not interested in destroying this earth you need to hear me so let me ask you a question as I close. Let me ask this question this morning. Do you, would you, and don't answer it, 
to me, but answer it to yourself. Would you consider that you are a son, that you are in the house, and you are a son because you have the vision? Or would you consider yourself that son who took all that he could, shows up once in a while, and spends what he has been given whenever he has the opportunity, whenever he has the chance, doesn't see himself as a part. Are you a son? Do you have the vision? Or are you a participant without it? This is the story of the prodigal son. I can tell you wherever you find yourself, even me, again, going practically in this house, if you say, you know what, Steve, I've been here a long time, and I don't really get involved in anything. I don't even really know what's going on. I show up on Sunday mornings, and I've been happy to do that. You know what? My heart is for you. Do I want that for you? No, because there's so many more ways for you to grow and to change. So many more ways. But I love you and you matter to me no matter what. But I can tell you the one that gets a hold of it just like this father. And understands it. And catches the vision of the father's heart. Realizes the inheritance isn't in what's put in his hand. But what he receives in his heart. When he gets that. You can change the world. I'm a world changer. And I'm calling out to the sons who want to change it with me. And I'm calling out to the daughters that want to change it with me. For those that are watching online or you're sitting in this room and you've never seen us do this before, or anyone else do what we're doing right now before, this is one way, another way that we say amen around here. Amen. We're striking hands in agreement. So what do I do from here? The only thing I know to do is to pray. I'm going to pray this morning. I'm not going to ask anyone to say who you are, where you are, if you would all stand with me, talking to you that are online as well. But I want you to ask Holy Spirit to show you more than what I was able to speak today. On my way to the church this morning, I was singing a song. It was an old song. Um, I think it's an old song. I remember singing it a long time ago. But it was a song, and it was, Speak Through Me, Holy Spirit, Speak Through Me. Some of you might not know it, younger folks. But I was singing that song. On my way here, I just sang it over and over again. The words that I remembered, and I probably made some of them up. But, the, um, <laughs> but I was singing that song over and over and over again in my heart. And then when I pulled in the parking lot, I just said, Holy Spirit, do that for me today. Speak through me, because I want the people to hear your heart. Use my voice, but let them hear you. Let them hear you. Let them hear the voice of God within my voice today. Because you love every single person that's present, that's a part. You love your sons. You love your daughters. And I can tell you this today. In the same way that man loved that son and wanted to give him the world. Even when he left, 
He loved him just the same when he came back. And I can tell you today, no matter where you've been, no matter what journey you've taken, no matter how disconnected you might have become, God loves you. With everything in him, God loves you. You that are watching online and you're disconnected from everything, I want you to know today, God loves you. You really do matter to him. You haven't spent enough. You haven't been with enough pigs. And you haven't gone far enough away that you cannot come home. He's a redeeming God. So, Father, today I lift my voice over the people that are gathered today. I lift my voice over anyone who can hear my voice. I, I pray. Put your hands on yourself, if you would, this morning. Father, I pray for each one, all of us. I don't know where every man or every woman, I don't know where every heart is today, but you do. You know very well. And, Father, I pray today that they've heard the words that you've put in my heart. I pray that today that not only have they heard them, but they have interpreted them like you meant them to be. I pray for those who have not known you and pray that they will. I pray those who have listened today that were out of touch, out of reach, disconnected, that they will come back home, that they will hear again, that they will trust again, and that they will allow you to be to them the father that you want to be. Thank you today. Thank you for those who are in the house, but not of the house. Those who are in the house, but disconnected. They're in the house, but not a son. Thank you, Father, today for those that fall under that category, but are today recognizing that healing can come to them as well. Restoration. Those that don't know, those who have questions, those who have eyes wide open, but yet cannot see, I pray today that they will see, they will know, they will understand. Holy Spirit, speak, speak, speak. Prick every heart. So that you are glorified. My prayer today is that there's not, at the conclusion of our time together, there's not an orphan among us. There's not an outcast among us. No one is outside the house. No one is living in a pig trough. Eating out of a pig trough. No one, is, no one is out there alone. But Father, my prayer and my hope is today that everyone that has heard the words that you have put in my heart today will return to you, will return to you with their whole heart. And look again to what it means to be a child of God. Look again to what it means to be called a son or a daughter. Put a robe on every back and a ring on every finger. Shoes on every feet. And may we feast today over the goodness of God in every life. To your glory, Father. Forgive us. Heal us. Deliver us. Reveal to us your truths. In Jesus' name. Amen.